it's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send them my way. Now, what do you get when you mix Lone Star, a single white female, High Priest, and Hamish with a giant croc? Why, you get Lake Placid. and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. In this episode, we are looking at Lake Placid. Like I said last episode, I believe, you know, I didn't realize I was, I was doing all these films from the 90s when it was coming to these animal podcasts. And I was looking like, huh, Congo is, you know, I think it was 95. 97 was Anaconda. And then this is 99. So this is right before, you know, everything shifted over and you know, I usually have these, like, stories of, yeah, I remember when we went to theater, and I remember did this, and blah, 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 and I was really interested because I saw the trailer, or read the book, or I did this. This film, in general, I was not really interested in seeing, like, at all. It literally was a time when I came back from schooling, and I had nothing to do. I didn't want to sit at home with the folks and my sister while she was back from school as well. And so, you know, my friends around here, they're like, hey, we really want to see Lake Placid. And I was like, uh, do we have to? And they're like, yeah, let's go see Lake Placid. And I was like, uh, get me out of the goddamn house so I went and saw Lake Placid. And I kind of have the same reaction that I had then as I do now after watching this. I remember certain things about the film. I remember seeing like, oh, Bill Pullman's in it. Oh, Oliver Platt's in it. Oh, Bridget... Fonda is in it. What was she in again? And even then I was like, what was Bridget Fonda in? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Single white female. That's the only thing I really know her from. And I'm sorry if I need to know more of her catalog, but I know she was in some, like, action movie at some point. And I always confused her because I always thought she was La Femme Nikita, but she's not La Femme Nikita. She's been in a bunch of movies, uh, but she really only had a career that spanned basically the 90s. A little bit into the 2000s, but that was it. Like, Single White Female is probably her best and most memorable role that she has, period. Uh, And I would almost argue that maybe this is number two, but uh, at least for me. like. But even then, when I saw her, I was like... (laughs) It was terrible. Watching this film again, I was like, huh, she's really familiar. Oh, it's Bridget Fonda? That's who that is? And even when listening to the trailer, because I think they say her name, or at least, you know, I watch the trailers while I record the audio, so I saw Bridget Fonda fucking pop up on the screen, but I was still like, huh, when watching this, oh, Bridget Fonda's in this? So, 
<laughs> it just means that I'm fucking terrible. Uh, not really. It means I don't give a shit about Bridget Fonda, and uh, should you? I don't know. But nonetheless, it's got one of my favorite-ish actors in it, uh, in, you know, Bill Pullman. Well, he's in one of my favorite roles and one of my favorite movies of all time. And yes, of course, I'm not going to lie right away, it's Spaceballs. Uh, you know, that's what I remember him from, from, like, it's the most iconic to me. Of course, you know, there's also Independence Day. Everybody seemed to remember him from that because he has the big rah-rah speech in that movie. Uh, and, of course, there's plenty of other things that he's done, uh, including, I think, While You Were Sleeping. Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But he was in some big rom-com that everybody seemed to really like. Other than that, everybody confuses him for Bill Paxton, uh, which I don't know why, because they're really different people. And Bill Paxton is honestly a little bit cooler in my book. But I still, you know, really enjoyed Bill Pullman. But this is one of those roles with him that we'll talk about. And also Oliver Platt. And there's only other, one other place that I can clearly remember Oliver Platt from, because he's pretty much a character actor, I would say. And, you know... Wouldn't you agree? I don't know if you do, but there's a couple roles that he's really big in, um, and there's one comedy that he's really big in that I really enjoyed, and it's funny because Paranormal Pat and I were talking about that, and he's never seen this movie, uh, and then I was like, yeah, Oliver Platt, and he starts reciting the lines from the movie from year one, and so we, we just start laughing about it, and that's like one of the big roles that I remember him from, but he's also been in a lot of stuff too. It's just, I can never place the movies that he's in, but when he's in it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I totally remember Oliver Platt. Or if you tell him the movie, oh, yeah, he is in that movie. So, it's kind of a weird cast of people in it. There's also, of course, Betty White. She is in this movie, and yes, I'm going to get it out of the way. She's probably one of the better parts of the movie, or if not, the best. And I think when a lot of people think back to this film... I think that she's the role and the scenes that everybody remembers. Because even asking, like, my wife sat around and watched this movie with me this time. And even she was like, oh yeah, isn't this that movie with Betty White and blah blah blah. And um, then she was like, you know, are there any other sequels to this film? And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know. I knew there was one which was Lake Placid versus Anaconda or Anaconda versus Lake Placid, whichever the fuck way it is. But... I didn't know there were five sequels. There's a total of five sequels for this film. That's one of them. There's Lake Placid 2, Lake Placid 3, then the versus the Anacondas. And then the fast last one actually came in 2018, which is Lake Placid Legacy. Now, it's... I can't... I don't really want to call them movies. I mean, they're movies. Okay, you can call them movies. But they're more made for TV or made for sci-fi movies than anything else. They didn't really get theatrical releases, even though you can find them all on, like, DVD, maybe even Blu-ray. But this is the only one that I think actually hit the theaters, where I think they did some interesting stuff, at least looking and reading. I don't know watching. I don't know if I could watch them. It's like some of the Tremors movies, right? Like, they never really hit theatrical, but they had really interesting ideas they did, even though the sequels are kind of terrible. Uh, and I assume that the Lake Plastic movies... It's not like the Anaconda franchise, where you had three, uh, at least, movies that made the theater. You know, between Anacondas and Anaconda Search for the Blood Orchid, or whatever the fuck it was called. 
And so it's weird with this film that you have this movie that spawned a bunch of sequels that I feel like a lot of people don't realize that there's five of them. And the other thing I found out while doing a little bit of research is that Robert England is in two of them. He's in the one with the Anacondas, and he's also in Lake Placid 3, which, again, might make me watch it one of these days, just not right now. So... Let's talk just a little bit about the film. We, you know everybody now that's basically starring in the film. The other one is this guy um, who, you know, even now I always forget what his name is. Uh, even though I had written it down, I'm not looking at it right now. Uh, but when you see the actor, you're like, oh, okay, I know. And it's Brandon Gleason. And Brandon Gleason is definitely a huge character actor. And where I remember him from the most was Braveheart. He plays Hamish in the movie. Uh, And it's weird because he's that guy, when you see him, you know, you're like, it's that guy. I know who he is. You know exactly who he is, but you don't know the actor's name. Like Oliver Platt, for example, you know who Oliver Platt is, but you can say, hey, that's Oliver Platt. Or Harvey uh, Firestein, you know, you could say, oh, hey, that's that guy. Uh, Or even Mel Brooks, you can say, hey, that's Mel Brooks. Even though you don't really maybe know besides like some of the movies they've done, some like the big ones, but when they've acted in other roles uh, or, you know, directed other things, you're like, okay, I get it, you know, but you, you would know who those people are. But this guy, you wouldn't really know who he is, like, or, or what his name is. You just know that's that guy. Um, it's almost like a voice actor in a way where it's like, oh yeah, that's that voice, but who is it? You know, and you can name the big voices like Phil Lamar or John DiMaggio, uh, but when you go to somebody little or even like Billy West, right? Everybody can name who Billy West is. Uh, but when they're like all over the place, but you keep hearing that, like, I didn't know that Dave Faustino does a bunch of fucking voice acting all over the place. And I could only point out Dave Faustino when I see him on TV as Bud Bundy. And, you know, everybody should go watch my children, but that's beside the point. Uh, but nonetheless, it's one of those things where, like, he's been in a lot of iconic movies. And if you see him, you'll recognize him, but you might not know who he is right away. So, this movie is weird because... I don't know why it spawned so many... Well, it spawned so many sequels. When I was looking it up, I like to look up a couple things. And one of the things is, you know, box office gross. And something lately I've been looking at with these films. And I thought, huh, I'll look up at this one. And the budget for this film was about between 27 and $30 million. And honestly, I know where it went to. Uh, and then the box office for this worldwide was only $56.9 million. So... I gave money to this movie, and I don't know why I even did, but not a lot of people gave money to this film. Compared to something like Anaconda, where it was made for about the same amount of money, and it made like $139 million. So this movie did make its money back, but it wasn't popular enough to be like, oh hey, we're gonna spawn five fucking sequels, or four other fucking sequels to this movie, when, you know, there's plenty of other horror franchises out there, or whatever, maybe because it's easy, because it's alligators or crocodiles, and everybody's fucking afraid of them, it's like, how many fucking spider movies are there, there's a shit ton of them, because everybody's afraid of them, but, you know, they won't make a fucking sequel to something that's really, really fucking cool, even though there, I know there's like five Feast movies too, And the first one I really love, and I can't believe that there's so many more after that. So, 
every once in a while something manages to get a bunch of sequels that you you don't know why. I guess that's the point of that conversation, that little bit of rambling that went there. But nonetheless, I was very surprised. So it, the film itself, uh, like I said, I don't have a whole lot of personal like memories of this other than I saw it in the theater. When I was done with it, I was like, huh, that's a movie. Um, <laughs> and that's, I guess, about it for the little intro for the film. Somebody was telling me they're getting a little long these days, but nonetheless... Um, let's just get right into the movie. So, the film opens up on the said lake, right? You're looking out, there's a nice bunch of trees out there, the lake is very calm, and we see two gentlemen inside a boat. One works for the Fish and Wildlife, uh, and the other one is the sheriff of the area, and we're out there in Maine, and they're busy talking out there on the lake because one of them is going to be going through the water and do some beaver tagging, and not the cool kind of beaver tagging, the ones where you, you know, it's tagging the ones that make the dams. They actually pay you for this, to tag beaver. Imagine. Was that like sarcastic? Because I know what you fishing game guys think of county sheriffs. And you like to give these one word sarcastic answers. Gee. Ask me what an animal does in the wild is his own business. As long as he doesn't do it to man. I think Mark Twain said that. Yeah, I think he didn't. But since you said it, I guess we're covered. So right away, you can see there's no love lost between the sheriff of this area and the fish and game wardens of the area. Uh, I don't know why there has to be this type of thing. I, maybe it's because he's forced to go out on the lake and he's got other things that he'd rather do, like sit around inside of his office while some teenagers, you know, they light off some bottle rockets somewhere, and he doesn't have to worry about any other shit because, hey, he lives in Maine, and maybe there's not a whole lot that goes on in this area of the country. I don't know. If I lived in Maine, I'd be worried about all the Stephen King shit that possibly goes on all the time because a man can't write that many fucking books with shit not happening like that constantly since it all happens in fucking Maine. But, uh, so we see the guy jump into the water... And the dude's hanging out on top, waiting for him to finish. He, When he's under the water, he's checking out the beaver place. And then we get the weird, like, cam. Now, of course, this is one of those things where you kind of know what the premise of the movie is. Especially with something as old, you and I know. But when you're in the theater, you know the premise of it, that there's a crocodile in the water and they're coming to get it, right? That's basic premise of the film. So here, it's weird because it's kind of done in a way where, like, okay, we're not going to show you what's going on, but there's just something in the water. And it's like, if you know what the movie is, like, what I liked about Anaconda, it did in the way. I know what that movie was, and it showed me the Anaconda relatively early in the film. But it took a little bit of time to kind of get to the point where the Anaconda killed that panther in that really fucking ridiculous way. But... When it came to actually, like, showing it, you saw it a little bit of it and that's it. Here, you wait forever to see the fucking crocodile, even though you know there's a fucking crocodile in the water. So it's not like this huge surprise. I mean, I like the reveal when it does happen, you know, later on in the film. But here, I'm just kind of like, you could show a snout or something. Like, you know, you know it's a big crocodile, right? So you could have just shown like a 
glimmer of its tail, or you could have shown something else in the beginning just to get a little more interest into what's going on here. I mean, yeah, I get it. You don't necessarily have to, but it would have been nice. So he's swimming in the water. He has some type of weird type of like spidey sense or croc sense that's going around there. And he's trying to figure out where the goddamn crocodile is or what it is he's feeling. Maybe it's a beaver that's about to bite him in the ass or some shit like that. But it turns out that, no, it's something else more deadly and it does grab onto him. He's able to get to the surface, but of course they do that stupid horror cliche of where you see like the bubbles in the water and the guy is across the way. Oh, I have no idea what's going on. Even though the guy starts yelling and then like he doesn't, oh, is there something over there? And you see all the bubbles. He would think that maybe something's going on and caught them, but he doesn't. And so eventually the guy comes up to the side of the boat. He grabs on and basically trying to get help. He pulls him, pulls him, and ends up pulling him up on the boat. And he only pulls up half of him. And so I guess he's half the man that he used to be. Because uh, his bottom half is just gone and his, and his intestines are all hanging out. And actually some really cool makeup. I was very surprised that this film was as violent as it was because I did not remember it being that way. And in fact, the movie's actually rated R and that's probably what hurt the film in general because there's so much like random cursing in this movie that I would say doesn't need to be there. And even the stuff with the like this this thing, like they could have gotten away with it, just pull him up, just show something really fast or or like the guy be like see the blood on the ground like they could have done some other things and maybe would have gotten in that pg i do respect that it is an r-rated movie which is fine but i just don't know if the film deserved the rating other than the couple of gore things that actually do happen and because we have this happen to this guy and we also get to see him a little bit later on in his like you know well dead state <laughs> in the morgue uh it's you know, that besides the language, there's no reason this movie should be rated R. So Sheriff Hank here, he, you know, like I said, pulls him on the boat, sees that he's half gone, and he's going to go look in the water, and the guy grabs his arm, and he just, like, stares at him until he passes away. And then the movie pans out upon the lake. Now we know that something deadly is in the water, and we then change over to New York City to a museum for a nice little change of pace, with some shit that goes on in the movie that only happens to basically further on the reason why somebody is going to go up to fucking Maine. Kelly? Hey, Kevin. Hi. Listen, uh, could I steal you for a minute? What are you doing? Meditating? Meditating? Yes, to relieve stress. Remember, Myra, you're the one who taught me all about breathing. Yes, but you're doing Lamas. Are you giving birth? If you're upset, long, deep breaths. Kevin dumped me. I know. He told you? Well, I sort of had uh, inside information. You? It started before you, Kelly. I never would have... You? It was just a quick thing that we thought was over, and it's not over. You and Kevin. I, I wish I could say something to... 
The heart wants what the heart wants. So this bullshit does not belong in this fucking movie. Like, there is no other reason other than we need to get her out of here, which we'll go into in just a second. But why? Why do we need to have this little plot of Kelly fucking her boss and they were together or whatever the fuck it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm going to break up with you. Oh, guess what? Your best friend is also fucking him and has been fucking him for a while. Oh my God. I can't believe this is going on. And we got the little happy, like funny music in the background. And you're not meditating, you stupid bitch. You're fucking doing breathing lessons. Meditating would mean that you were sitting in like a Buddhist type pose and just like focusing in. You'd be like Piccolo on top of the mountains up there trying to get fucking stronger and being the best dad in the fucking world. You know, you would not be sitting there like doing Lamar type breathing <sighs> and everybody knows that you don't calm yourself down by doing these and I understand you're getting your ass dumped and this cunt of a friend of yours she's there and she's the one that's going ahead and taking over your life because she was fucking him before you started fucking him and then continue to fuck him while you're busy fucking him you know the whole thing is just so goddamn stupid and it's meant to be like <laughs> This is some type of, like, weird comedy horror. Like, comedy action horror movie is what I ended up finding out, again, because I really remember things being a lot more, like, intense and scary. Not this type of, like, romantic comedy bullshit that you have in the beginning of this fucking movie. That you sit there and you have to go through this type of shit. You have to deal with the fact that she's getting fucking dumped. Oh, yeah, and that she's going to get her ass shipped to fucking Maine. Luckily, in between there, we get to see Lone Star, I mean, Bill Pullman's character for the very first time, and we get to see him and Hank meet, and there's a nice little interaction, but there seems to be all this type of animosity between, like, Hank is a very fucking angry and upset guy. Like, you hear it in the beginning of the film when he starts talking to the first game warden, and he's like, are you guys always sarcastic? You always just say one fucking words. You know why they say that to you, fucking Hank? Because you're a fucking dick. Okay, everybody in this movie, in one way, shape, or form, is just a fucking dick. You're either a dick to each other, you're a dick to the people that aren't a part of your thing, you make fun of what people do with their jobs, you got your New York person that can't stand being out in the country of Maine. Like, Maine is pretty cool, man. I think the people up there seem relatively nice, except for Stephen King, who's got a fucking demented mind as shit, but I love that fucking shit at the same time, so I could be best friends with him. What I'm trying to say is, Stephen King, if you're listening to this podcast, I want to be friends with you. I know you ain't got long left here, and you got a lot of books to write, but maybe we could, like, hang out sometime? You could invite me to Banger, and we can, you know, work on my novel, you know, the one that I've been, like, working on for, like, 25 years or some shit like that but nonetheless it's like everybody just hates everybody and it's meant to be like funny awkward like not everybody hates everybody totally but there's constantly different type of like fighting in between and honestly the scene's relatively entertaining when you first meet hank with lone star i mean Bill Pullman's, fuck it, I'm just going to call him Lone Star for the rest of the fucking podcast. So when you meet Lone Star and you meet uh, Hank here, I mean, when they meet up together, it's funny, but the interaction isn't totally, like, that terrible. But Hank, like I said, he's kind of a dick. So from there we flip back, 
and we see that Kelly, she's busy inside of her office, just dusting some bones, because I guess that's what paleontologists do. They either sit in a museum and put dinosaurs together, or they sit in a room in a museum and they just use their brush and they dust bones that have no fucking dirt on them, that are just fucking sitting there. What the fuck are you doing exactly? Are you just wasting the fucking museum's money, sitting there with your little dustpan and your little dust brush, and just lightly going over there, or putting more dust on there? Man, these bones are so fucking dusty that I gotta just keep doing this. Hey, what are you doing, Kelly? Man, I'm fucking dusting these bones again. You see this shit? This dust lasts for millions of fucking years. You expect this dust to be gone in a fucking day? No. Now put another 10k on my fucking salary because I need to dust this shit. And later I'm gonna put together shit that was already put together. And then I'm gonna go dust that shit out there because you people that are dusting your shit are another. Put another fucking 10k on my salary, Mr. Museum Man. So, anyway... We see Kelly there, and then she's interrupted by her dick of a now ex-boyfriend and current boss. And guess what comedy ensues here? Hey. Hey, Kevin. What's going on? What's happening? How's it going? How's your family? Good? It's great. So nice to see you. Fuck off. This is business. There was an accident in Maine. Some guy got killed by something in a lake. Probably a bear. But they found a tooth. A tooth? A fragment of a tooth, one they say couldn't have come from any bear. Evidently, it looks prehistoric, like maybe a dinosaur. Oh, well, then I'm sure that that's what it was. He was killed by a dinosaur. Is there anything else? I uh, want you to go there. What? It's probably nothing, but you're a paleontologist. This is what we do. What do you mean, this is what we do? I'd like you to check out this tooth. I'm not a field person. Well, on this one, I would like you to be. You want me to go to Maine to look at a tooth? Oh, this was Myra's idea, wasn't it? Uh, oh, of course. Get me out of the office for a few days, wait till I cool it off. It has nothing to do with that. I don't do field work, and even if I did, Maine? I'm allergic to timber. Kelly? I'm not going to Maine. I'm not going to Maine. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's going to be rough as we go over these mountains. Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. That's okay. Oh, hey, guys. I'm not going to Maine. Oh, what's this dumb? This don't know where I'm going to go to Maine. Oh, shit. I'm going to fucking Maine. Like, what the fuck is with this? I, it drives me fucking mad. Like, this is, like, dumbass comedy 101 right here, where... We're going to show these people, oh, oh no, there's no way. Uh-uh, ain't going to do it. Nope, no way possible. There's no way I'm going to do this shit. Oh shit, I'm doing this shit, and it's funny. Like, it's not fucking funny. I just, to me, okay, maybe it's fucking funny to you, but to me, I, this is just fucking annoying is what it is. And the way that she has to act like this, and honestly, it's true. She's totally right. Okay, they found a fucking tooth. Oh, it could be prehistoric. No, you're finding some fucking reason to get her fucking out of there, and the movie's trying to find a reason to get her fucking out of there too, Come on, guy gets fucking chomped in half, and you're gonna say, oh, there's just a random tooth and it looks like a dinosaur bone was put into... You wouldn't know that that was a fucking, like, crocodile tooth. The moment that you fucking looked at it, would be like, yeah, this ain't from no fucking paleothalic, like, 
era motherfucker asking me for tree fitty. You know, that fucking goddamn Loch Ness monster always at my fucking door. Okay, you know what? You got rid of him last time, and maybe you can do it next time. I know he's fucking crashing on the couch. You're not going to get my goddamn tree fitty this time. Uh, so you, you know that this fucking, like, tooth... Okay, and it's when she sees the goddamn tooth, it's not even that fucking big. It's not like it's a giant fucking tooth. It's not like it's a giant fucking, you know, dinosaur, Tyrannosaurus Rex tooth, a fucking Stegosaurus Rex tooth, a pterodactyl tooth. It's no fucking, like, it's just, it looks like a regular fucking animal, like, and even then, it's bigger than a bear's tooth, okay? I'm not saying it's like a fucking cat tooth or some shit like that. But it's literally like, I don't know, three inches, four inches long. It's nothing really major that you would call a museum. Who the fuck is just, man, this tooth. Oh my god. Um, we gotta call a museum to get somebody from a museum out here. We need a paleontologist to come out because we don't know what the fuck this tooth is. We thought it was just a bear. But we need to have somebody that's an expert in fucking sweeping dirt off things to go and fucking figure out what type of tooth this is. It's just fucking stupid. Like, I, I just don't get it. I don't. And, and in the context of the movie, okay, whatever. I'm gonna let it go. But, so she's up in Maine. And that's where she meets Sheriff Hank for the very first time. And also gets a rude awakening when she... You know, decides that she needs to see the body after she's seen the tooth. Came up screaming. What did he say? Just kind of gurgled. He was pretty much dead. And you didn't see anything. The lake was calm until up he came. The tooth is in here. Well, that's that's the morgue. Yes. Well, is the dead guy in there? That's where they keep them. Look, you want me to bring the tooth out here? No. No, let's... after you. This is reptilian, and this is not a fossil. You really pulled this out of this guy? Yes, I did. I'll need to get a microscopic look at it. Well, there you go. Great. Maybe I should see... I wouldn't. I can deal with dead men, bodies. did this attack go on for? Seconds. Eight, maybe ten. Oh, and uh, this is how he came up to the boat? Yes. Uh, I'd like to see this lake. So, okay, she is, like, surprised that they're gonna go to the morgue, okay? Like, oh my god, he said, yeah, she, he's dead. She knows she's going to see there was an attack, and the person died. And he even said, oh, he came up gurgling, and he was pretty much dead by then. And then we're going to go over to the goddamn morgue, and she's like, wait, we're going to the morgue? Didn't you hear him say he was pretty much fucking dead? So that means he's probably fucking dead, which means that you're going to go to the fucking morgue. Like, <laughs> and then th this character... Kelly is so goddamn annoying. The entire fucking movie. This is the way she she's just written 
annoying. And and god damn it, Bridget Fonda. Like, you didn't have to do this with this character, but this is what you chose to do. You chose to be super fucking annoying with the character as well and play her like a... Oh! Like, that type of, like, city slicker out in the fucking wilderness. Like, this is fucking Billy Crystal going after fucking Curly's gold. And, oh, I'm fucking a city man out in the West. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, this is the way. Oh, my God. Everything. Everything. All the way up until the end of the fucking movie. She's exactly the same way. Like, she doesn't really change. She kind of does. But then she still fucking keeps the same shit. Oh, it just drives me fucking batty with this one. So, here she is. Now they're gonna, she's gonna go out with the Sheriff Hank. And, of course, you know, he's really not that into her because he thinks she's a burden. He honestly believes why the fuck is she even here. But she wants to get a little bit on the action to see what's going on. And that's, of course, where Lone Star meets who... Maybe I'll call for the rest of the movie Princess Vespa because she acts almost exactly the same. Nobody lives within 25 miles except some old couple who live right on the lake. Teenagers trek in every once in a while to skinny dip. None have disappeared. None have spotted anything unusual. You talked to the old couple? Not yet. What kind of backup do we have? We. What? I'm a little unclear as to why the museum would send somebody here. You got a thing against museums? No, I got nothing against museums. Have you been in one? What is that? Lightweight forward area air device unit. Whatever's out there, one shot with this is dead. Why exactly would you have that? Mosquitoes. I got a thing about mosquitoes. If you're all set, let's go. We're saved. The museum in New York just sent us some additional backup. Kelly Scott. Jack Wells. Hi. Uh, some museum sent you, huh? What, are we all museum bigots in Maine? She's rude, sarcastic. You two should get along. I'm afraid I can't let you go with us, ma'am. Sheriff Keo said I could. Unfortunately, fish and game supersedes the sheriff. Why do you have to supersede? Maybe I might be... Ma'am, look, this isn't some kind of fact-finding expedition. Yes, I know that. It's not a science trip. Could you be a little more condescending? Because I'm not real great with subtlety. Something in that lake killed somebody, right? I appreciate you trying to help. I'm really glad that you brought the raid. Yeah, that's better. Ma'am, it's not going to work. If you call me ma'am one more time, I'll sue you. And with today's laws, it's possible. She's good. Look, I won't interfere. And if I do, you've got a sheriff handy to arrest me. But I understand if I threaten your fish and game authority. Excuse me. Is it true you're going to look for some kind of monster in Black Lake? Well, we're just going to investigate an accident. There's no monster. We heard a man was bitten half. Oh, well, there was an accident, that's all. It's nothing to worry about. Oh, please. So, okay, Sheriff Hank over here at the end of that clip sees a hot little girl that just pops out of the fucking thing and he starts kind of firing on her, but not really firing on her. But, like, it's it's weird because she seems like she's a very young girl. Like, she's probably 
over the age of 18, but still really young in this, like, scenario, where he's like, everything will be alright, ma'am, and we'll make sure that we take care of it. There's no such thing as a monster out there. I'm also waiting for fucking Bill Pullman to just start breaking out the first time that he met fucking Vespa and Spaceballs. Just break out that line of dialogue, come out there, you know... <laughs> Except for, in my mind, he would come out right away and, and the first line he would say, Call me idiot, not you captain. I mean, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> instead of some of the other lines that, that are fucking great from that movie. But um, it's just ridiculous. Like, she's there. She's got her fucking mosquito spray that she's just spraying fucking everywhere. Like, it's the total, that whole, like, oh, I... I'm from the city, I just don't do well with the stuff out here, but hey, you know, I'm making sure that I'm making the best of it. And it, it just carries on some more, because they finally go out together, and they go onto the lake, they talk a little more, and, you know, it, it, they, they go and see probably the one redeeming factor of the film, and that's, of course, Betty White. And so, she lives on the lake, and she's the only one that may have actually seen something. So, they begin questioning her. And I want you to think about one of the things that she says in this little clip here. And I want you to think about what happens afterwards, because nothing happens to her. They don't do anything, yet she makes a really fucking bold statement in this scene. Well, my husband passed away. It's been almost two years now. My department doesn't have any record of that, Mrs. Bickerman. Well, I'm sorry. Incomplete records haunt me so. What was the cause of your husband's death, ma'am? Do you know? We don't mean to invade your privacy, but was he ill? Was he sick? Was he swallowed? Sure. Uh, Mrs. Bickerman, that's the reason why we're here. A man was fatally attacked yesterday by some animal in this lake. Do you know how your husband died? Oh, yes. I killed him. You killed him? Oh, yes. Uh, and how would you have accomplished this, ma'am? Well, he was very sick, and, and he refused to go to a doctor. He'd be coherent one day and incoherent the next, and, well, one coherent day, he asked me to end his suffering. And he had kept insisting and insisting, and then, well, Finally, I just gave in, and I hit him on the head with a skillet, and then buried him under the bulkhead. Well, dig him up if you don't believe me, Sherlock. Okay, so Betty White's character in this movie is a fucking dick. Uh, everybody is a fucking dick. She's also fucking crazy. And the fact that they didn't do anything to her, that they didn't arrest her, nothing, nothing happens to her. In the entire film, well, she gets a little bit of something a little later on, but she right away says, oh, I killed him, and they're just like, what? Like, everybody's face is just like, she's fucking joking, right? And it's like, they believe it, like, to the extent that they're not even bothering to try to go after her, not bothering to take her into custody, to actually do what she says. If you don't believe me, dig it up. She's fucking admitting to the crime right here. She's saying, hey, I killed my fucking husband. Unless they have some sort of, like, Kevorkian-like law where they're okay with 
fucking assisted suicide or whatever shit that she did. She probably bludgeoned him to fucking death and then buried him in the ground. Like, what the hell? What the hell is going on and why are you letting this fucking murderous old lady just fucking loose? Well, she just lives out here. It is in the middle of Maine. We really don't have a whole lot going on, so... Just go with it. Yeah, she killed her husband, but he was not long for this world as it was. No, fuck you. Maybe he was saying, no, go get me some help. Take me to a fucking doctor. Don't let me fucking die out here with all this shit. And she's just like, fuck you. I'm going to smash your fucking face in. And then she's boom, boom, boom. And then beats the living shit out of him and then, you know, buries him in the backyard. That's not the way that I really want to go. I'm just saying this out loud right now, so if you ever hear my wife, you know, those that know her, and you talk to her and I'm not there, and she's like, yeah, I just buried him in the backyard, please, call the fucking cops, make sure that you didn't just fucking murder me, okay, or throw me to the dogs, or where the fuck, you know, people do, and in this case, what actually happened to her husband, we'll talk about later, but... Nobody bats an eye other than that they're just like a little bit shocked, but they're okay. They're just going to leave her there instead of taking her to custody and actually looking for the fucking body. So they go back on the lake and they discover that since they can't learn anything about what's in there, they're actually going to rough it for a couple of days. And of course, that upsets poor little city girl over here. What's with the water? It's so black. There's no waves or anything. They wanted to call it Lake Placid, but somebody said that name was taken. It's too bad. Tents are sent ahead. Should already be set up by the time we get there. Tents? We're staying in tents? I told you, two days we'd have to camp. Yes, camp, but I thought that meant Ramada Inn. I, I never heard tents. God. Will there be toilets? Maybe we should just take it back. Why, because I prefer a toilet? Oh, God, we forgot to pack the feminine napkins. Oh, so you're with him now. Are you taking his side? I didn't say a word. Oh, no, well, no, maybe I should just wipe myself with some leafy little piece of poison oak, and then I can spend the whole day scratching my ass, blending in with the natives. Then you'd be back on my side. You know, you really don't have to bother telling people you're from New York. What the hell is that? What? Looks like a branch. Hey! You threw it at me! I just let go of it! You threw it at me! Do you see that? Oh! Ma'am! Stop hitting me! Don't throw heads at me! Ma'am, Stop calling me ma'am! Just now, Jesus. Oh, God. So, Sheriff, how many deputies you got? Okay, yeah, I can kind of understand why Kevin probably left Kelly, because she's just an annoying fucking bitch. Like, ridiculously fucking annoying. And she's got to argue with everybody, and then he really is pulling the fucking moose head out of the water, and then he's as surprised as she is, because all of a sudden there's the fucking moose head, like, he, they think it's a stick, pulls it out, and oh my god, and he drops it, and then she slaps him twice. She just assaulted a fucking officer, and she's not going anywhere? What the fuck is up with the people in Maine? Hey, anybody out there listening in Maine, are your police really like this? Because maybe I want to move out there. 
maybe, you know, I can move somewhere close to Bangor and I can get a nice house right next door to Stephen King. I mean, I'm not really trying to plan the whole thing out, but, you know, if we really could become best friends, I would really fucking love it. So, <laughs> they finally get out of the lake. And, and again, I want to talk real fast about Bill Pullman and his acting in this movie. Um, it is terrible. <laughs> it is just... It's not, ter- I mean, it's not terrible in the terrible sense that, like, he's a bad actor and you're just, like, amplifying it. But the fact of the matter is, in this, he's just not fucking trying. Like, he's delivering his lines like, okay, I'm here, I got paid, uh, I've been drinking all night, I'm in fucking Maine. You know, Stephen King kept me up trying to call me to be a part of his next little mini series. But I'm like, no, I don't want to be a Langolier. I'd rather just fucking do this Lake Placid movie. Thank you very much. Uh, but he just is delivering his lines like he just has to. He doesn't really show any emotion. There's no sarcasm, no smirk. Like, he's got it kind of on his face. Like, the little smiles. Like, <laughs> eh, eh, I really don't want to be doing this. But uh, I'll smile anyway. <laughs> it, like, it's just... It's terrible, like, and I know that he can do much better than this, especially as a, the aforementioned speech in Independence Day, which is a real big rah-rah speech and absolutely wonderful, and then take the lines he gives in this movie, which are absolutely crap. I get it, you probably just did this movie because, you know, a kid needed to be put into a school or some shit like that, but come on, you could have done a little better with the film. At least, you know... Oliver Platt, when he shows up, he's giving his 110% when he's doing this film. And even Betty White is doing a great job for this film for the small role that she has. So, they pull up on shore and they set all the tents up. And that's where we get another little scene of Miss City Girl being Miss City Girl. Because she's so worried about, like, and that's the thing with the other one. She was like, don't call me ma'am when she said before, or I'm going to sue you. Like, what kind of bullshit is that? And again, she pulls the same bullshit in this scene when she's talking about she's worried about the men of Maine and what they could possibly do to her. Could it be a bear? I mean, the bears get big here, right? I don't think a bear could bite off a moose's head. But everything you need should be in there. Okay, good, good. So will we be tent mates then? Nope, this is all yours. Oh, great. Excellent. Well, if there's anything else you need. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, what's it like to be a woman in the woods in Maine? I mean, the guys don't turn all horny or anything like they did in Deliverance, right? I knew you were there. Hmm. Never been to Maine before, huh? Oh, I have good hygiene. I'm not welcome. <laughs> Why are you here, really? I told you. A museum doesn't send an investigator out in the woods. Now, how would you know what a museum would or would not do, well, exactly? Even if they did, I doubt whether he or she would have problems with tents. So I don't like tents. Why? Well, you don't like tents and you don't like mosquitoes. Well, nobody um, likes mosquitoes. Look at your fingernails. What's wrong with my fingernails? It's because they're clean, right? being in the woods as Emily posts. Now, it doesn't make sense. They sent you out here to examine a tooth. And what are you doing out here on the lake? Professor. 
So, okay, before we get into meeting Hector for the very first time, let's look at what's going on here. First, she is just all out, just a complete and utter bitch. Like, you go into these areas, you're with fucking cops, and you're worried about them becoming fucking horn dogs. when I probably would believe that everybody in the big fucking city that you are are ten times worse than the people out in the fucking bumpkin country area that you're calling. And then you're talking about fucking Maine. Okay? There is no deliverance shit up in Maine. Do you even know where deliverance fucking took place? And it wasn't deliverance upon women. It was upon the fucking men there. That was the suey suey here piggy 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 thing that was going on in that film. And they're not gonna go after fucking you. Do you not fucking get this? And you think that you're such fucking hot shit that these men, they're just gonna get fucking horned up when there's other fucking women there that look a lot better than you, Bridget, okay? I understand it's your character, but I don't give a shit in this case. But they look better than you, and I would rather hook up with them than hook up with you or go after you. I'm not saying that anybody should be, like, going after any women, but if I was really in this situation, you would turn me off enough to be like, you know what? Nope, not gonna do it. It's so ridiculous that... She has this mindset that this character is written this way. That, oh my god. And I understand this is 2019. This movie is 20 fucking years old. Holy shit. But at the same time, it's like, why? Why do we have to have this stereotype that just because this city woman's going into an area where she doesn't feel comfortable, that automatically she's the one that all the men are going to want to get with. They're going to get horny and they're going to want to fucking rape her. Like, why do we have to have this all set up? And that's kind of where Pullman's, you know, Lone Star over here comes in. And he doesn't really say anything about it, but is also kind of setting things straight at the same time. I, I don't really get it, but it is what it is. And so, as they continue this conversation, you hear the helicopter in the distance. And this is where we meet Hector for the very first time, who happens to be Oliver Platt's character in the film. Beat me! Balls! Splendid lake, eh? Being a man on a lake like this, rubber raft, Sylvie Blake, she gave like a cow. Who do we have from Fish and Game? Me. Who is this man? And see the algae blooms just coming in looks almost stagnant. Hector Sear. Oh, the earth is round and so should you be. Who is he? I need topographic studies, you got any? Wait a second. You don't just fly in here and start barking orders. I apologize. I, I just don't want to lose the light and we've got time for a, a quick scout. Have you had a little work done? I have not. Who are you? Hector Sear. I said it once. Let me know when it sinks in, okay? Have you seen it? Mister. No. Excuse me. You came here to... Help you find it. A crocodile. Yeah. They've been migrating north, you know. This lake does connect to the ocean. It's not as far-fetched as it may sound. Crocodiles can't swim in salt water. Yeah, well, that'll be your little secret. Come on, we're losing time. Why does the big one heckle me? So this is Hector. And like I said before, I think Oliver Platt actually gives the best performance in the entire film. And he's actually kind of going all out with it. But I'm not a very big fan of the character. Like, this intro is actually relatively good. Just because you kind of get a feeling of how eccentric he is. Because when Hank over here, he'd be like, who are you? Like... It's not like, who are you in terms of your name? It's like, what are you doing here? Like, who exactly are you? Like, okay, yeah, your name's Hector, but 
who the fuck are you? Why the fuck are you here? Type of question. He just like, well, my name's Hector. Do I need to say it again? Like, yeah, but that means shit to me. Who the fuck are you? Like, what exactly are you here for? And you kind of find out that he's the big alligator or crocodile expert. Uh, I keep wanting to say alligator, even though I know this whole thing's about crocodile, so it may slip once in a while. But it's just really kind of ridiculous that this guy just comes out of the middle of nowhere, he lands with his helicopter, he walks up to everybody, he knows Kelly right away, and it's like, okay, so she says he's an eccentric billionaire that has been studying crocodiles for quite some time. And that's why he's here. And he's the one that's figured out how, one, how the fuck did he figure out that there's a crocodile here? Two, how the fuck did he, like, get that fucking helicopter perfectly land? And three, later, with all the crap he's, like, brought to this whole thing, how did he bring it all on that one fucking helicopter? I don't really know, and it's never really fucking explained. So, here we go. So now we've got Hector here. And they want to, you know, he wants to go back out in the lake and make sure that he's got a little bit more light so that maybe he could actually find pieces of the crocodile or find the proof that it's out there. So, as they have done multiple times before already in the film, they go back out onto the lake. If he's close, we'll find him. Their signatures are unmistakable. She told you that we had sex together? So vigorous! I never had sex with you. I'm horrible in bed. They never remember. God. Wait. Stop. Thought I heard something. I don't mean to be discourteous, but uh, how is it a, a person could come to believe a crocodile is in New England? How could it survive winter? As long as their nostrils don't freeze, they survive. Am I foolish to explain things? He had such trouble with my name. Hey. Hector. Is this where it happened? Around here, yeah. We're a mile from the ocean. He could have easily made it in here. Assuming he got this far up the seaboard. The big ones have been on the move. What have I been telling you? You call me crazy. Hector, just paddle. You know, Sheriff, when friends or family say things, they tend not to register, so sometimes it helps to hear it from a total stranger. You're fat. Jesus, Hector. Oh, yeah. What's that? What is it? White perch. Are they feeding? They aren't feeding. They're scared. So it's at this point in the film that the boat just shoots straight up in the air, and both Hank and Kelly get thrown right into the water. And it's relatively good effect i mean it's pretty practical this film does both a mixture of practical and cgi effects just like anaconda and does both decently this is actually pretty fun to watch because kelly gets thrown up way the fuck in the air like the stunt actor had to be like launched in that boat really fucking high and that means that this crocodile is relatively strong as well like he's able to sense where the boat is and he's able to throw them way up in the air and you get that underwater shot where it's like looking around trying to find them and they're trying to get back in the boat and they're able to get back in the boat just in time 
Uh, it's quite amazing the way that everything just kind of plays out. And she is constantly being thrown in the water the entire fucking film, as well as dealing with heads of random things. Again, Hector is Hector in this scene. That's the way that he's going to be for the whole movie. Again, a lot of people may really enjoy the character, and I don't find it that bad. It's actually kind of a welcome change to everything, but there's times where I'm just like, you're saying random things just to be fucking random and just to be like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Like when he goes out there and he just tells them, oh yeah, we had sex once. And it's like, why the fuck would you say anything like that? And she's, of course, denying it because, you know, it's Oliver Platt. And who wants to admit that they've had sex with Oliver Platt before or would be willing to give themselves up to Oliver Platt? But that's a whole nother story. It's just like one of those things where it's like, I guess... Part of the comedy of this is really to throw in these, like, awkward types of jokes, but I really don't feel like they work all the time. Like, sometimes they work really well, and every once in a while, like the last one where he's like, even in this, where he's like, man, do I have to explain everything that's really simple to him? Like, no, he doesn't really know anything about crocodiles. You do. He's asking these questions. He doesn't study them because he's in fucking Maine, and you don't realize that this is very weird. Like, you think this is okay. I find that kind of funny. But the whole, like, oh, we had sex, like, oh, no, no, we didn't. That's not really funny to me. It's just awkward and fucking stupid. So she gets thrown in the air. They get back on the boat. Everybody's fine. They get back onto land. And she's busy calling, you know, the nature wildlife to go in there and capture it. And they won't actually come out because... They have to have proof that something's actually in the water, even though something shot the boat up into the air. There were four people that were witness to it, two that were involved in the boat flinging, and two that were watching it right there, but they didn't see what did it. And they're saying, well, maybe it was a mink. How could it be something that small to throw a boat that high up in the air? And so while they're walking around arguing, there's something that's randomly on the ground that proves there's something big and reptilian out there. No one actually saw anything. Yes, I realize that, sir, but something flipped us over, and I doubt very much if it was a mink. I am a paleontologist. I work for a natural history museum. I am not some... I don't believe her. Thank you. It's so rewarding to imagine my tax dollar finding its way to you, you fuckshit. You are a saucy flirt. You were right. U.S. Wildlife won't send anybody without a confirmation. We don't need him. Sheriff. Yeah? You might want to come take a look at this. Oh my God, worms. Oh my God, a thing about worms. It's a human toe. Some decomposition, a little acidic. Definitely been swallowed. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. You got a crack all right, they're keystone species. Did he just explain something? Keystone species affects the whole ecosystem that will explain these worms and those perch. You got a crocodile. Here's your friend. So that part there is relatively funny because he's he just randomly picks up the toe. Like, the toe is there. Nobody says, don't pick it up. It's like evidence or anything like that. We need to get somebody out there that can actually examine it a little better. And do it. Nope, he just picks it up and he looks at it and he's just like, huh, 
well, the competition here, and oh, look at all this stuff and this fucking toe. And then at the end of it, he'll, here's your friend. And he just hands the toe over to Hank. And that is actually relatively funny. So it's moments like that that I feel like there are some good scenes in this movie. And there that makes me like the relationship between Hank and, you know, Hector for the rest of the movie. I really enjoy it. And there are like two couples in this film. One is Hector and Hank, and the other one happens to be Lone Star and Vespa over here. So it's, it's kind of satisfying because they both get their own type of ending, and the entire time you're watch, watching the movie, you're like, why don't you guys just fuck? Just like, fuck and get it over with. Come on, Hector and Hank. If you guys fucked, everything would be perfectly fine. And with the other two, you're just like, stop. Just get away. Get off the fucking screen. I don't want to fucking deal with you anymore. So... He hands over the toe, he goes off into his tent, and then we fade over into the night. And we see that there's like a party that's going on, there's Tom Jones playing everywhere, and Hank runs across two of his men, and they're digging traps. And they were paid by Hector to dig up those traps. Now, there's stuff that goes on in this scene, but I want you to like kind of experience the whole party uh, the atmosphere that's going on in this scene. Just take a listen to the clip. You there, golden boy, come here. Grab me with the wood. I'd rather not, if you don't mind. It's not, I'm not one of the oil rubbers, I'm just a guard. Grab me with oil or die. Much more. Base me like a chicken. But when I see you out and about, it's such a crime. Bitch, let Okay. You got the whole thing on your nose. Marvelous. I love it. All right, well, this is a good evening. I can help you out. Now rub it in. No matter what you say. With my hand? No. With your nutsack. Of course, with your hand. Okay, so I played a little joke on you guys because it's the same music. If you've seen the film before, that's really what plays in the background as the Laurel Party inside of the tent in between Hank and Hector there. Uh, but... I don't find the scene that interesting, and that's a lot f- fucking funnier to me uh, to get there. But the thing is, is that there's the party go on. Hank is totally upset about the whole situation. And it's just, like, they're all, like, having drinks, playing music real loud. And Hector really doesn't see the problem with any of that. And he's just like, look, this is a police operation. You've got all my guys just having fun and doing whatever. Instead of just doing the police work, going to bed, digging fucking ditches out there. Which I'm pretty sure that that's going to come back later sometime in the fucking film. Uh, It's definitely, like, it's kind of an interesting scene. You know, there is a little thing where, like, he wants the other deputy to know she needs to stay because we were about to mate. And he even, like, goes, you have 
beautiful boobs. Like, it's very close, to be honest with you, except for there's no golden Michael Sarah running oil all over his body at the same time. Uh, though, uh, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna comment on that type of situation, so. But from here, we go over and we see that there is fucking Kelly and fucking Lone Star talking to each other, and... It's, I don't care about these characters. Like, you could get rid of Kelly, you could get rid of fucking Lone Star out of this movie, and I would be perfectly fine with either of them. If it was just, seriously, Hank and Hector, and trying to figure everything out, here comes the eccentric guy, because, hey, we did figure out it was a crocodile in here, and now we have this crocodile hunter, or, you know viewer or whatever they want to fuck you want to call him he's out there and he's trying to help you capture the crocodile at the same time i think it flows really quite a bit better than having to listen to this fucking bullshit between these two characters look how flat that water is you could get 10 skips on a good one easy sorry skipping stones growing up i used to summer at my grandparents place on a lake like this I'd skip stones all day. Beat playing with the other kids. I'm sure it did. Look, I think it's best if you stayed on shore tomorrow. I beg your pardon? I'm not trying to pick a fight, but whatever's out there did flip a canoe. I am I not staying on shore. It's dangerous. No, I didn't fly up here just to roast marshmallows. Why did you fly up here? Look. Paleontologists are not sent to Maine to hunt for crocodiles. I was sent up here to look at the tooth. You looked at the tooth. What are you doing out here? I was dating my boss, and he turned out to be involved with a co-worker who was also my friend. And for the sake of comfort, theirs, I was shipped off to Maine. And I don't feel like going back yet. I'm not making it up. Still, you don't have to stay out here. I mean, you can okay, stay in town. Me. I'm here, I'm staying. Unless there are ticks. I know crocodiles, and I won't get in your way. I just really do want to be a part of this. Seven AM. So it's obvious they're trying to start a relationship between these two and to get them a hook up by the end of the fucking film. I mean, come on. They're like, oh no, I really don't like you. And no, I'm going to be like this hard ass woman. Don't call me fucking ma'am. But then in this scene, after they talk to each other, as he's walking away, she's making sure she's walking, watching that ass, make sure it moves back and forth. It's perfect. And then she turns around so she's not caught. So he turns around, he stares at her and she, he's like... Damn, I want some of that city ass right there, but I don't want her to catch me looking at her. So he, he turns around too, and then she turns around after he's turned around, not knowing that he was checking her out as well. And it's all stupid fucking bullshit that doesn't belong in this fucking movie. It's, it's one of those things that I really enjoy about indie horror in general, and even when it comes to... You know, even some of the direct-to-DVD movies, maybe there'll be some type of, like, romantic lead. But it's never that two people are put in an unfortunate situation and they're together by the end of the movie. A lot of the times, it's two people that are raided together and they get thrown into that situation. Or it's two people 
that, you know, um, have come for a specific reason or they just survive together or usually it's just the girl that ends up. But when you enter these mainstream ones, they always have to, especially in like the 90s, there always has to be something about two people getting together in some way, shape or form in the whole fucking movie and it's got to be a main focal point of this film. And then I realized while I was thinking about this while I was watching, I realized that we're 20-something minutes into this movie and at this point... This has been all fucking introductions. That's all it's fucking been. And the movie itself is only an hour and 22 minutes. And it's even less than that because that's with credits. It's an hour and 22 minutes with credits. And they're about probably about five minutes worth of credits. So honestly, it's like an hour and 17 minutes long. This is a short fucking movie. And you spent almost 30 minutes introducing characters and doing these little wacky things and trying to develop this like relationship thing that's going on. When you have so much little time, you could have done so much more with the goddamn crocodile and you could have shown him so much more, but I can see that your budget didn't allow for a movie that was any longer than an hour and 70. How is this a theatrical release? It's an hour and like 22 minutes and it got released in a theater? That's fucking ridiculous when you think about it, but then it makes me happy that it's, you know, over relatively quickly. So, we go over him, and now it's the morning. You know, there is a little thing at night between Hector and Hank once again, where Hank hears something, takes his gun out, and it's Hector setting up spring-loaded traps. He's like, you'll be thankful if the alleg- or the crocodile comes on land and all this other blah, 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 blah. All his fucking bullshit or whatever he's going through. So they, you know, after they argue for a little bit more, everybody goes to bed, and we go into the morning where they're going down to the lake, and they're going to jump into the water, both uh, Lone Star and Hector, to go look and see if they can find the crocodile itself. And they're going to release this little, like, beacon that's going to send out a distress signal from, uh, like, little baby crocodiles. And they explain a little further exactly of what they're going to do. We can expect a quick response if he hears that. Adult crocs will move on distressed tash legs. Again, I don't mean to be annoying with my questions, but if it is a crocodile, which I don't think it is, they do charge these baby hatchling sounds. Why exactly would you want to be underwater at the time? With you, it would make sense. Well, you see, Sheriff, the thing is they don't really attack underwater. That wall guy got hit underwater. True, they don't see that well underwater. You see, they have these nictating lenses over their eyes. Mark, which is why if you ever get covered by a crocodile, you yeah. underwater, and they probably won't be able to see you. They can smell. All right, I hate to interrupt, but we got some work to do. Hey, we can talk if we want. we can talk if we want. Would you mind putting down the anchor? Wait till we're down there before you turn that thing on. Got it. Let's go, Hector. Good luck. So here they dive into the water and they begin searching the bottom of the lake. There's a couple of interesting little things. There's a little bit of tension built, but it's not really that good. There's a second one where I think you can actually see the le- like the, the back of the crocodile inside of the water, but it could have been a beaver. I don't know. But you also do see a cow carcass underneath the water totally eaten through, and they're just kind of like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Like, there's really nothing else that you can say about it because they're underwater and they're not really saying anything to anybody else that's up above. Uh, so while they're still down there, you see uh, Hank and Kelly, they're still talking a little bit about Hector. And she explains that 
Hector himself, he believes that crocodiles are like dragons. Like they have the eyes of the dragons. And the only thing that, you know, truly is like, can tell him about the world. Like he has this really big thing about the way crocodiles are and they're almost like they're godlike and it's kind of awkward kind of weird and and they're they continue talking above and then all of a sudden there's kind of like a tug on the boat and then all of a sudden the boat gets like tugged backwards because something's latched on to the anchor and is taken basically you know they've been fishing for crocs in a way and they managed to snag a croc and the crocs now drag them across the lake so they're able to actually get that out of the croc's mouth, uh, and they get it back in the boat, and then they go over to where, there actually is a Bill Pullman scare, where he comes out of the water, you think it might be the croc, but it's just him getting onto the boat. They go over to Hector, who's also come out of the water, and when they get him inside the boat, they start pulling up the little beacon. Well, the deputy starts pulling up the little beacon that's making all the baby crocodile noises. And as he pulls it up, and he's about to, and he's holding it in his hand, and it's making the noise, and all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, giant croc mouth comes out of the water and bites his head clean off, and he falls over into the boat, and there's water splashed everywhere. Kelly gets wet. She screams. They're all in fucking shock. And they go back over onto the shore. When they're on the shore, there was a little bit of a conversation in between Lone Star and Kelly. And he's really trying to explain to her, like, look, you don't have to do this anymore. Are you okay? And she just kind of wants powers through. Because, like she said earlier, you know, the whole thing that happened between her and her boss and her friend she just really wants to be away even though they're the ones that sent her away from the whole thing and this really has nothing to do with a paleontologist and she can just get her ass like completely out of there and she's like out of the middle of nowhere she knows crocs of course she probably knows crocs the fucking shoe not crocs the fucking animal at this point because she has done nothing other than like started the fucking program to get the fucking owl or the crocodile noises going and like be a fucking bitch the entire time but you know why she really wants to stay because she wants to use fucking lone star as a rebound and even when she's here it's okay i just saw a dude get his head bit off i don't need to fucking leave no you do need to fucking leave because this is fucking ridiculous so she is still there. We cut over and we now run into Hank and Hector, our second couple of the film. And Hector tries to be... Like, I didn't take the the dialogue from the first between Kelly and Lone Star because I really could give a shit. And it's not really that interesting. But I do like the dynamic between Hank and Hector. So we get to see how their relationship is blossoming. Oh, Sheriff, I'm uh, very sorry about your deputy. He was a good man. Yep. Whenever somebody dies, I I always think that it's such a waste that I didn't know them any better. I'm sorry if you're a loss, Hector. Not really what I meant. Head was just bitten off. You know, I used to have a recurring nightmare that I was headless. I'd be down on the ground, looking up at my body, no head, just walking around, bumping into everything. And my parents wouldn't let me in the house because they just bought all these new antique lamps and they didn't want me to knock them over the fuckers. 
And then the neighborhood bullies, they'd see my rounded head on the ground looking like a ball. And then they'd, and they'd come over and they'd start a, a soccer game. And as I was being kicked around, I'd actually just feel grateful for being allowed in the game. What are, what are your thoughts? You know, Hector, I'm sure you're a fine person in your own mental way. But I think it would be best if you and I didn't speak. So again, there's like this weirdness to Hector that's kind of endearing in the scene. And I actually kind of get what he says. Like basically, and it's kind of a weird thing to say to somebody, especially after they've lost somebody, with his head getting cleanly bit off by a monster in the fucking lake, by the way. Like, saying to him that, like, you know, I wish you would have known these people better. I, I get it. You find out somebody's passed away, and maybe that's your connection to humanity. You think, man, it really sucks. Like, maybe this person was really great, and I want to have that connection to somebody. You know, and I wish I could have known this person better, you know, even though I never really met them, but a lot of people say they were really good and they're really nice people. But it doesn't really comfort anybody. So I get why Hank is replying in that way, because it's basically like, look, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. You know, it's not his loss. And I think he does get that, but he doesn't really read the sarcasm that's in Hank's voice. So there's this weird kind of innocence to Hector at the same time that there is this, like sincerity there that's kind of awkward I, I don't know like i said i don't hate the character but it's just sometimes weird for the sake of being weird and then at the end there what you hear is him getting caught in one of his traps like i kind of guess was going to happen at some point in this fucking movie so he gets caught onto the counterweight and they argue and he wants to be let down he says no i'm not gonna hurt him if i you know you let me down and when they do he says i lied and he picks up it's almost like he's Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Uh, but he goes running after him with a stick. And eventually they get to an alcove. And then all of a sudden a bear appears out of the middle of nowhere. And the bear rushes at them. He dodges the bear. The bear gets him on its hind legs. It screams, roar! And then all of a sudden the crocodile comes out of the water and snags that motherfucker and pulls him back into the water and eats him. And then he's like, oh, God damn it, it is a crocodile. So that's how Hank is convinced now that there is a crocodile inside the lake and they're able to actually call the game and the wildlife, whatever, to come down there and take care of the croc itself. As day turns into night and now everybody has actually seen the crocodile for themselves, at least our main characters here, they decide to do a little research and they find out exactly what type of crocodile this is. He's in Indo-Pacific. Scales were oval. He's an Asian crocodile. Why, why would he come here? I mean, it's impossible. Asia. How would he get here? Obviously, some asshole in Hong Kong flushed him down the toilet. He was 30 feet, right? Had to be. Right, well, now maybe somebody's happy I brought my big gun. Oh, you're going to blow him away now? I should think so. With yeah. your cannon? Right, what, I shouldn't? Well, he's a miracle of nature, but I right, know he's very he scared. Bites, right? You should probably. Right, you know, easy, you're the miracle easy, of nature, guys. guys easy, easy. We're not going to do anything tonight. I, I never heard of a crocodile crossing an ocean. Well, they conceal information like that in books. 
It's all right, pal. No, no, hey, really? hey, hey, oh, hey, no, no, hey, no, let him go, let him go. See, listen, I'm fast. sick of him, too. I'm sick of him, too. Just I please. do need to warn you, Sheriff. Think about being rich. My parents did have the added luxury of ditching me off at karate school on a regular basis, so I am a brown belt. Go ahead. Take your best shot. Take your best... No! Hank! He said he knew karate. <laughs> you hit him. I did, yeah. Here. Did, did he say go? Oh. Aren't you supposed to say go uh, in karate? All right. He's supposed to say go. Hey, Hank, just keep your distance from me. Never Hector, go to your tent. Cool down. He doesn't answer my questions. Why don't you answer my questions? You bow first? Fall into a hole or go up in a tree. I swear to God, I'll say go. Bow, and then you say go. As in go fuck yourself. Jesus, it's just like children. No, they're just like an old married couple that's fighting with each other, except for one happened to be very physical with the other. Like I said, I actually do really like the relationship between the two of them. And even in that makes me laugh and chuckle a little bit when he's like, he's supposed to say go, aren't you supposed to say go in karate? So it's an Asian crocodile. Somehow it got over here. Nobody knows exactly why. And somehow it's a saltwater crocodile because it's able to survive inside the lake and it's able to come out, do what it needs to do. And I'm surprised there's not a lot more bears buried in the lake. So there's a stupid little scene in between Lone Star and Vespa over here and they're in the tents and he's got a little scratch on him so she's taking care of the scratch and that's where they're kind of flirting but kind of not flirting and there's a stupid little joke and she seems really giddy that the fact that the bear got fucking eaten up which is really fucked up Kelly. Man that thing got torn apart in front of you. Why didn't you laugh when the guy's head came off when the alligator jumped and bit off the guy's head? Oh no you were totally okay with that or totally scared but when the bear happens you're like oh my god can't believe the alligator's real we really need to do something about it this is great it's gonna possibly kill more people wonderful uh and so she you know she says the stupid little thing well we should sleep now and then it's like no i don't mean us no oh it's so funny fuck you film fuck you right in the ass so the scene ends and we switch over to Hank and Hector who are chilling inside of Hector's tent. Looks like they've kissed and made up. Maybe they finally had sex and then they totally got dressed right after. Or maybe, you know, Hector had that bottle of oil that he wanted to get rubbed into his skin. And so everything is okay and he's asking more questions about the crocodile and he's showing him videos and he's showing exactly what the crocodile can do and he's like look and he shows him these antelope that are on the shore and then the crocodile middle of nowhere just grabs one of them he's like look how silent they are and they only have one natural enemy man fuck you again film because i don't think crocodiles have an enemy in man for the most part crocodiles have lived for centuries on end and they have fucking you see the people in florida man they <laughs> They don't last long around them crocodiles unless they got something really big that they're going to be able to take them out with. That's why, you ever seen that episode of Cops where they got the crocodile inside the pool? Like the little kiddie pool, it's hunted underneath there. And the, that thing ain't, ain't that big. That thing's maybe like a four foot croc hidden underneath that pool. And they don't want to fuck with it. And they got their good fucking guns drawn and everything. And they're getting back. So I don't think man is their greatest fucking enemy. Unless it's man in terms of, oh, we're building and taking away their habitat then okay guess that's kind of the way it works but eventually you know crocodiles they'll take over the world and they'll eat all our heads off or something like that it'll happen sometime in the future you all know it really fucking exists so uh so 
they're doing their thing, and we fade over to the next day, and they're trying to figure out where they need to go, and they're going to follow around the shore and to see if there's any other signs of the crocodile anywhere. Eventually, they come across croc tracks, and while, you know, Vespa and Lone Star are arguing about how they're putting in the little, you know, uh, whatever that filler stuff is, like, not like cement, but like clay or whatever the fuck they're using. Plaster. That's the word I'm looking for. When <laughs> putting the plaster in the goddamn crocodile, like, footprints that are out there, uh, all of a sudden they're like, look over there, and then there happens to be a head that just, like, flies out of somewhere, because she backs up, and it flings at her, and it's funny. I actually laughed at that point, because she got a head thrown at her, which is terrible, but there it is. And uh, when they look in the distance, they're like, wait, where exactly are we? And because they start hearing a little bit of noises, actually, uh, you know, Lone Star kind of sees something, and then he takes out his binoculars, and he looks, and they're over there by Betty White's house. Like, she's out there, and she's dragging something over to the shore of the lake and they're like what the fuck could that be oh my god i can't believe that they're doing something and all of a sudden the crocodile comes out of the lake and grabs the cow and that's where we learn that poor old rose over here betty white has been feeding the crocodile on a regular basis they put two and two together and they decide that they need to go over there and talk and they need to place her under house arrest and uh she turns out to be a feisty little bitch I haven't broken any laws. What would you have, ma'am? You lied to us. That could be obstruction of justice. A man has been killed in part because he's silenced. I could make out a charge of reckless endangerment. And I'm sure Peter would be annoyed at how you treat your cows. The reason I lied, if I told you the truth, you'd hunt it down and kill it. Which seems to be exactly what you're trying to do. How long have you been feeding this thing? Six years. Six years? Well, Bernie was out fishing and it followed him home. So we threw it some scraps. Well, he didn't seem to bother anybody. He became kind of like a, a pet who lives in the wild. He just appeared. You have no idea how he arrived here. No, do you? Well, your husband Bernie, you didn't by any chance lead him to the lake blindfolded. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. Did the crocodile kill your husband? Yes. But, but it, it was all, it was a mistake. A mistake? One of our horses got loose two years ago. Went to the lake to drink, and the crocodile started coming in, and Bernie went to intercede, and... If I'd reported it, they'd have sent people to kill it. Ma'am, how could you not report this? Puts human life at risk. Nobody lives on this lake. It's really his lake now. Which is really true. It truly is his lake now, because... He's the one that's, like, hunting everything. I don't think there's a whole lot of fish in there. Except when they get excited, the Sturgis kind of, like, bound around. But, honestly, again, why didn't they check anything out before? They just left her alone. They just left her over there. And they're just like, yeah, this little old lady that told the story about killing her husband. Let's not do anything. Let's not further question her. And then they're surprised when the fact that she's lied to them. She lied about what happened, and then it's like, oh, it was an accident. The crocodile ate him. He just used to feed him, you know, and the crocodile, well, they were totally great together. And she's totally enamored with the thing. She doesn't care that her husband died and that it was eaten by the crocodile. She just, whatever, he's fucking dead, and there's nothing more I can do about it. And yeah, he ate him. I'd feed him again and again. <laughs> so it's just ridiculous. And then that one line still 
It makes me laugh. I've heard it like four times now in doing this podcast, and I still chuckle. And it's the point where she says, if I had a dick, this is the point where I'd tell you to suck it. Just because it's Betty White saying this shit. And to me, you know, I've only known her in the world of the Golden Girls all the way up until, you know, now. She's still with us for right now, but... It's just funny to hear her say anything along those lines because she's always just been kind of the sweet old lady to me for some reason. I, I don't know. So this is very kind of awkward, but it's fucking hilarious at the same time. And again, I think this is one of the major reasons that everybody remembers this film because they remember how funny these scenes with Betty White were. Uh, And I think it's true that you can be on that line because, hey, this movie is not, like I said, it's not very long. So, of course, you're going to remember these parts if these parts are really good. We cut over into the lake now from here, and we see that Hector, he is in his helicopter, and he's taken the uh, deputy that he's wanted to bang out on the lake because he wants to dive into the water and he wants to find her. Oh, find the the crocodile. So he's in there. He's swimming. She contacts Hank. Hank is like, what the fuck is wrong with him? And tells Betty White at that point that she's under house arrest. She has to stay there. And she calls him Officer Fuckmeat. Which is, again, one of the funniest things in the film. The clip is not very long, so I didn't want to like pull it down for the five second or two second of her saying, Officer Fuckmeat. <laughs> Even though I need to start using that. I think I need to start using fuck me in my regular dialogue now. Because that is fucking hilarious. Um, So they go back out in the water. And then who arrives but the crocodile. And he's there. And as Hector's trying to get back over to the helicopter. He's slowly backing up. The crocodile is slowly looking at him and chasing him. And he's trying to say, man, you're not going to hurt me. We're fine to, holy shit, need to get out of here, need to get out of here. Yeah, this isn't the right type of croc. He's going to totally kill me. And eventually does get back to the helicopter. He has her start the plane. And then he distracts the crocodile by releasing a rubber raft and then jumping in the plane. And of course, or the helicopter, and before the helicopter is able to finally get out there, uh, the crocodile jumps up and grabs a part of the like buoys that are on the bottom. Because this is one of those helicopters that can land on the water. So they have like the boat buoy type thing on the you know what they are and so he grabs one and they're inflatable so it pops it of course and they're able to actually get away from the crocodile without any deaths and so when they all finally get back together lone star finally bill pullman shows some emotion in his role in the point that he's reprimanding hector for getting one of the deputies in danger that's your last little stunt mr crocodile you're grounded. Uh, this is some very delicate equipment that you're care. throwing around. You trying to kill yourself? You want to meet your maker? Is that it? No, you might think they're godly. You might get some spiritual lift out of backstroking with dragons, but you just put a deputy at risk out there, Jack, sir. Let's not overlook the fact that I, I, he didn't eat. Because he just ate a cow, stupid. Jack. Listen, I'm a civilian. I'm not a trout. You have no authority over me whatsoever. Hey, hey I can arrest you. Well, then do it. hurt his feelings i don't care do you care no he's an asshole that's right hector is a complete asshole he's just really eccentric he's not so much an asshole as it is but you know here lone star is right he's just 
it's stupid. Why take somebody and put their life in danger just because you have to have this spiritual experience with a goddamn crocodile? Just fly your ass out there by yourself and deal with the whole situation. Now, he wouldn't have survived if he hadn't brought the deputy along with him. And the fact to even get him out of the water in the first place, she's like, I'll have sex with you. And that's when I figured out that's the only way that Oliver Platt is gonna have sex in this movie is if he puts his own life in danger and then the girl's like, I don't need you to die on my watch. I'll fuck you so you can live. And that was probably the long play of the whole fucking movie. He's not really an eccentric guy that likes to go swim with the fucking crocodiles. He's just a guy that likes to have sex and the only way they can have sex is if he puts himself in moral danger because the women feel so sorry for him they don't want him to die that they'll just give up the vag for him. Man, that's a plan that might work for some people. Not for every people, but it seems to work for Hector in this movie because she was willing to give it up. So he goes back into his little tent and Kelly follows him because, yeah, his feelings are hurt. Back over there, we see that, you know, Jack and Hank, they just don't give a shit anymore and they just want this to be completely over. And meanwhile, back in the tent, we kind of little like learn a little more about Hector and his feelings and we see the relationship that possibly Kelly and him may have had at one time or at least the familial relationship that they have together. Did you want to be killed by it? You think I'm that nuts? Hector, what you just did, there had to be at least some sort of a death wish going on. In ancient Melanesia, people suspected of crimes would be thrown to the crocodiles. Crocodiles would decide they would be the judge. Oh, and so that was you wanting to be judged out there? Maybe I was, and so what? Is that too arbitrary? Better be measured by my wealth. Better for me to get my self-esteem looking in the eyes of cheap sycophants craving a meal ticket. There was more honesty in those dragon's eyes. There was more dignity in those dragon's eyes. He's there was more... Hector. Cut the shit. Yeah, fuck it. So can I tell them you won't go back in the water? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm not going back in the water. No way I'm going back in the water. Okay. Kelly? We can't let him kill it. Okay, this scene really bothers me, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to play it. Because he's going into this whole thing. First off, before we get really into it, I really want to say, I want to see the show Croc Judgment. Like... Can you imagine like it being like a people's court type of thing that's going on and you have crocodiles that are the judges on the stands and then you have the lady, she comes in, she's suing somebody else because, hey, you know what? She didn't clean the kitchen on the day she said she would. Instead, she cleaned it on the Thursday and she left some food in the sink and, you know, that's going to cause her mental distress and it needs to be a $5,000 payout. And then you have the crocodile sitting on the stand and it just goes... And then, you know, she's like, but judge, you really can't fucking do anything about this. You know, just because I came in a day late and I accidentally left something doesn't mean that you need to judge me and call me guilty. And then I have to pay for And then then eventually, you know, the bailiff goes and he says, like, I'm going to translate for the judge. And the judge. And then, you know, they win the case. Wouldn't you want to see Croc Judgment? I would totally see Croc Judgment. That, like, should be the next great judge show. The Honorable Judge Croc E. Dial, you know? (laughs) Or Ali Gator, I guess, is better. (laughs) But let's let's make that happen, people. Croc Judgment. Um, So, 
yeah, this this scene really confuses me because he's talking about all this stuff, like how he really believes this stuff and that there was more, you know, in that Croc's eyes, more truth and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, cut the shit. And he's like, all right. So has everything been just like a fucking game to him? Is that all it is? He's just rich. He doesn't care, but he really does kind of care because he's like at the same time, oh, we got to make sure that they don't fucking kill it. So I really don't know what to think. Like, has this whole thing just been a rich boy's fantasy because you know what? I know about crocodiles and I should just be there and I want to do this weird shit. I don't know. And, and she seems to know that at the same time. And if that's the case, his character's been a whole fucking lie the entire time. And has been a bunch of bullshit and putting everybody in fucking danger for no reason. And it makes me hate the character once again. But then again, he's like, we gotta make sure we save the crocodile. So I don't fucking know. Which one are you? You got a crocodile refuge somewhere. You're gonna keep this 30-foot monster in some place. And then fucking, you know, is he gonna go on a croc rampage? Or are you gonna dress him up in the judge role and take my fucking idea, you fucking asshole? Don't take it. Croc judgment coming to your fucking local syndicated program very, very fucking soon. So they all group together. And, you know, Kelly, she just, she wants to save the crocodile now now no matter what's happened with it no matter how many people it's actually killed she wants to actually save it and she's got to convince them that this is the thing that they need to do and there is one thing that, that they're going to need if they are going to try to entice it onto land and that happens to be something that belongs to betty white will they try to trap him sorry florida fishing game what will they do when they get here Tell her, Jack. Won't be able to snag him in Pittman's, right? And you trank him in the water and he drowns. Well, they could try to trank him on land. Oh, sure they could, but they won't. He's taking human life. The mission will be to put him down. Is that true? They've never been able to trap anything 30 feet. But they have to try, right? Where are they going to take him? Florida? Asia. I got enough flax still with me to put him out, and I think I know a way. Forget it, Jack. Forget it. Hear me out. I know I'm a fat, rich, nutfuck wacko who's about as grounded as a street pigeon. Keep going. But this thing... Here? Maine? 30 feet? But don't you think we're dealing with a bit of a miracle? Yeah. A miracle would be to take him alive. Yeah, but if we could neutralize him... Oh, how are we going to neutralize him? Lure him on land and you pump him full of drugs. Oh, right, right. I know of an empty oil tank in Portland. If we drugged him, we could contain him there. He's 150 years old. He probably swam here from another continent. He's migrated to Maine. How the hell do we say we just kill it? Jack, this thing being here does have some ecological significance. And you are in the business of protecting things against extinction. Including deputies. I understand that, but if it's possible to take him alive... No, it's not possible. Look, he follows anything that moves, right? We set a trap on the beach. I got enough net. I know I've got... No, there's no net that's gonna hold him. It'll keep him tangled long enough for the drugs to kick in. For God's sake, Jack, they've trapped crocs bigger than 20 feet. This is not completely out of the question. It's possible, and you know that. And those fucks from Florida, they won't even try, and you know that too. I got the drugs. He's got a big cannon if anything goes wrong. How do we get him to the net? Ask Mrs. Bickerman to call him? You guys can be in the trucks with the train guns. If he charges, you take off. I mean, he's not that fast. Who's not to try? 
one try. Just, just, just one try. Like Hank says, how would we lure him in? So they're going to use a cow as bait. They basically, well, that's what they do. They put it in the water and then they have it like swim. He just has it over. So that way the motions are calling towards the crocodile. So that way he'll come and he'll snag it. And while they're out there trying to get everything prepared, we get another cutscene of Betty White, probably one of the other favorite little scenes from the film. I'm rooting for the crocodile. I hope he swallows your friends whole. You might want to arrest me for that, too. Is that a crime? To wish the chewing of law enforcement? I'm not sure, ma'am. So, <laughs> it's pretty pretty damn terrible, but pretty damn funny. Like, just the way that she's doing it. Because she goes from, like, the beginning, kind of crazy old lady, to now, like, she's fucking pissed. They're going to capture her crocodile, or probably try to kill it. I can't believe you're taking my baby away. This is all I have. I don't have my husband anymore. All I got is my crocs, and you're going to take him away? I hope he chews you to death. Is that considered, like, a felony? Well, the fact that you let your husband die, and you didn't report it, and you're harboring a fucking crocodile in the water... That should actually be a felony as well, so you're pretty fucked as it is. So saying that you hope they get chewed up by your crocodile is probably not going to help your case, though. So they're out there in the water. It starts getting later and later and later, and the cow eventually, she decides that she doesn't want to try to swim anymore. But that's when finally there's something that bleeps on the radar. What's the deal? Well, we tried. Just a little longer, please. She doesn't seem to be swimming. No, she's floating. She looks like a giant tea bag. Okay, Hector. Good plan, bad bait. Game's up. The cow disappoints me. Hold on. I got something on the screen. What do you got? He's coming. Where? How far out? 30 meters or so. Oh, he's moving slow, but he's definitely coming. Can you confirm visually or just radar? Radar. He's underwater, but he is coming! All right, everybody back at the truck! Lead him in. On our way. So they begin to lead the crocodile to the shore, but eventually the crocodile is a little smarter than they are, and it's about basically almost grabs the cow, it jumps up, and when he while you know, Hector is able to get the cow out of danger. He loses control of the helicopter, releasing the cow into the water, and then crashing in one of the worst motherfuckers I've ever heard before put on film. Like, he's just going down, he's just like, he's crashing the motherfucker. Like, it's not even very fucking, like, loud, like, angry, surprised, like, it's more like, motherfucker. Like, it's just, doesn't fit the scene, and feels terrible the entire time that you're listening to and that everything that's going on there and you would feel that you know it would be a lot more extreme than it actually should be because hey you're losing control you're about to crash your plane into the water your helicopter in the water and you should be screaming motherfucker as everything's going on so they're now in the water 
and the crocodile is coming around and he's hanging out there and eventually it does get on land and they do take the darts that they're going to be shooting into the crocodile and are able to actually shoot him in the neck. It starts falling out for them, but when they hit a bump, Kelly's dumbass falls out of the goddamn truck and the crocodile starts following her around instead and so they tell her to get out into the water and basically dive underneath because like we learned earlier it can't see very well underwater it can smell but it can't trace her as well as it would if she were on top of the water or on the ground because then it would be able to tell the movements and see her clearly so she's in the water she's trying to swim around she gets behind a pole and eventually she gets gets herself stuck in some netting that's underneath there or rope or whatever the fuck it is under the water that's attached to the pole so she's down there struggling and of course that calls attention to herself and the crocodile comes at her but instead of like trying to eat her it turns on its side so that its jaws get caught in the fucking pole which releases her from her little trap and she's able to get onto the helicopter with fucking Hector it's really like it's kind of tense but it's overall really fucking stupid like I just don't get it. I don't understand why we have to have this thing other than the fact that it's using a practical mechanical like crocodile and it looks pretty good. I I really like the practical crocodile over the fucking CG one that they've used a couple times. And again, this is the point in time where we're doing CG when it's fucking dark out. When we want to have something big, we put it in complete darkness so that way you don't notice all the imperfections that's going on with it. And probably when you saw it on the big screen for the first time, it didn't look that bad. But looking at now, it looks really fucking terrible. Well, not really terrible, but pretty terrible. It's... You know, again, it, there's nothing that can replace the practical effect for me when it comes to this, at least at this point in time. Nowadays, it's almost 50-50. I love it when they use practical effects, but at the same time, you know, there are some CG that's really, really good. I still think all death scenes should be practical, but that's just me. So... She's able to escape. She's able to get onto the helicopter. Everything's going crazy. They don't know where it's at. And then all of a sudden, the, the alligator or the crocodile jumps out of the water and tries to go at them through the helicopter. And then it gets trapped inside of it. And it's still trying to come after them because it's trying to get out of there and it's wriggling out. And it's coming down to one last shot that Lone Star wants to take and Oliver Platt and... Kelly over here, they're trying to make sure that it's not the kill shot. Alright. Game over. Look. He's suffering. I got to be humane. No! No! No, 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 look! He's trapped! We done it! We done it! So what? It's not a net, but, but, but he's trapped! Mission accomplished! Shoot him. I got more drugs. He's half dead. He's half alive. Shoot him. The drugs are kicking in. He's done. 
Hank. All right, stand back. No, 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 Sheriff! Look, look, look. He's got nothing left. Go ahead, shoot him. Really? Jack, we don't. Kelly, uh... We don't have to destroy him. God damn it! Look at him. He's been neutralized. Oh, come on, Jack. He's trapped. Look at him. He can't move. Look at him. What's the point? We don't have to do this. Jack, you don't have to. Please. So surprise, surprise, there were actually two crocodiles inside of the lake, and Hank finally got to use his big boomstick to blow off the head of the other crocodile in actually a, an explosion that was really fucking satisfying and really did come out of nowhere. I remember seeing that part in the theater and thinking like, hey, that was actually a relatively good twist and totally unexpected. What I thought was going to happen, even when we were watching this, my wife, she was like actually closing her eyes. It was really funny because uh, she's like, I don't want to see him get his arm bit off. And I'm like, she's like, does that happen? And I'm like, I don't remember. I think I remember that there's actually two of them that comes like the other one's gonna come out of the water well i don't want to see him get chomped i'm like oh good thing you weren't looking when the guy's head got bitten off earlier in the film because you would have totally freaked out because he's like hector's holding his arm out there like talk to him i really thought it was gonna lunge forward and just chomp down on his arm and bye bye you know hector's arm blood squirting everywhere but instead he gets bitten by the other crocodile and kind of dragged into the water but nothing really major happens to him and it's kind of a cheap ass like cop out for the whole situation but i'm satisfied with the ending that he got to blow the head off of that one crocodile and you know they actually were able to capture the big one that they wanted because honestly you can't leave two in there and they can study the other one which is huge so now we're getting towards the resolution of the movie and of course we've got to make sure that our two couples both have happy endings in the film and we both get kind of satisfying endings for both of them Yes, Portland. I'll tank him there till we figure out something better to do. So, Sheriff, Sheriff, you got to fire your big gun finally. Was it fun? Overrated. What'd Bickerman say? Well, she didn't want to tell us about the second croc because she's afraid we'd blow its head off. Women's intuition. Uh, we got room for one more. Someone should probably go with him. Uh, I'm still packing up some stuff, but, um, I'll go. So, I imagine you're gonna have a few reports to do. If you need anything, let me know. Right? Yeah, it was, uh, nice meeting you. Gee, Hank, don't get all choked up. You and still mixed. Oh, well, then, just to offend you in principle, 
Sige. Well. You want to ride in my truck? Oh. We just finished loading up the front of the truck. Do you want us to take some stuff out? No, no, that's that's all right. I'm going to be a little while anyway. I want to go say goodbye to the lake. You sure? Because uh, yeah. I don't mind. No, I, I actually want to stay a little longer. All right. All right. If I'm ever in New York, I'll... Yeah. in Maine. That's it. You slide your duffel bag. Just get in the truck. Go for a beer. There's a good bar in town. That's charming. Are the glasses clean? Mostly. You gonna complain the whole time? Jack. Start the truck. I already missed the crocodile. Oh, God fucking damn it. Are you fucking kidding me? Do we really need to end on this type of fucking note? Like, I love the fact that Hector and Hank, they totally, like, got along to the point. They hated each other, and now all of a sudden they're totally with it. He needs somebody to go with him to the hospital. Hank is like, all right, I'll go with him. And, like... Everything's cool and kosher at that point. But then you got these two, which are finally getting ready to fuck. Like, <laughs> they they have to play this stupid game. And then it goes back to, oh, well, I still dislike, like, rednecks and everything like that. Oh, yeah, you city girl. Oh, I miss the crocodile. And <laughs> we're all supposed to fucking laugh, but it ain't fucking laughing matter at this point in the movie. So, from here... Everything seems like it's all wrapped up. The crocodile has been captured. Our friends are now lovers and our enemies are now friends. And we cut back over and we see Betty White's house. And they're slowly zooming in on the dock. And the Bob Marley music is playing. And then we get a little bit of a surprise ending in that, oh no, there's not just those two. But there's also little babies out there. And oh no... She's feeding them, and the end credits begin. Get 
And so that was Lake Placid. And it's one of those films where, like, it has good moments. And yeah, there's a lot of parts that I'd nitpick and that I got really upset with. But if you really enjoyed this movie, it's not going to stop you from enjoying the movie in general. Like, everything that I said, even though, like, there's a lot of really dumb stuff in this movie... I can still find why some people would find it very enjoyable. This is something that may not be for everybody, but for those that have really been into it, I'm not going to change your fucking mind because you're still really going to love this film. For those that were on the fence and weren't sure about it, maybe I changed your mind, or maybe there's something in here that will make you want to see the movie. So should you see Lake Placid? You know, if you want to know what it's about, See it. If you really think that this is good enough for you, then don't. I'm not going to be like, you have to see it. But it's also something that if you chose to sit down and watch it with a group of friends and make fun of the film the entire time while you're watching it, it would be a very fun experience. If you're trying to watch a serious fucking crocodile alligator movie, there are plenty out there that are a lot better than Lake Placid. This just has that Hollywood tinge on it that I feel like makes it like the forced comedic parts, the forced romance... Those things like that, even Kelly's fucking character, you can get rid of them. Like I said, if this was just a film about Hector and Hank, I would fucking love this film. Their banter, it's like watching, if I had to do it something recently, it's literally like watching The Rock and Jason Statham in the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, that type of banter that's going on, at least what they're going for, from what everything I've seen from Hobbs and Shaw so far, that's where I think I put that type of relationship. I like those two characters together. I think that shit is actually relatively funny and very entertaining, but they're surrounded by a bunch of piles of fucking garbage, and that really hurts the film. The other thing that hurts the film is that it's only an hour and 22 minutes long. This should be a little bit longer and should be a little bit more focused on the whole crocodile thing. And you don't, like, it starts so fucking promising. Because you got the two guys, they're out on the lake, and then all of a sudden something happens. And you got the guy, he's been bitten in half by the fucking crocodile. What more could you want? Nothing. That's a great start to the film. And then it just fucking dive bombs into bullshit when we have to get introduced to Kelly and her fucking problems and her reason to put her in this fucking situation that she doesn't need to fucking be in. It sucks. I don't... I'm not a fan of that. I'm just like, I don't like it. I don't... I don't like it. Uh, but it's just... It ruins a big portion of the movie. So... You know, like I always say, if I have to grade the movie, which I always do, um, I'm going to start with the gore factor like normal. So this has some pretty good use of gore, but not enough of it. I would give it a 2 out of 5. The body of the guy that's eaten in half, when you see him for the first time and you see him on the table in the morgue, it looks great. I think that effect is really well done. It looks like it's practical. And even when the guy gets his head ripped off, it looks pretty good as well. And then with the gator blowing its head up, but that's really all you get. It's nothing really exciting out of that. I would have given it a one, but you do see the intestines, so you get kind of a two. You know, your mileage may vary with this. Crab factor, originally I wrote down a four, but I'm actually going to give it a five out of five. I think there's just some things in this film that are so shitty that don't belong in here that it really ruins part of it, and it deserves that extra point of crappiness. 
The fun factor, I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. I think that, like I said, Hector and Hank's relationship, really funny, really good. Um, I don't like the characters really separate, but together that chemistry works really, really well. To the point, like I said, they need to just fucking get it over with. Betty White's character, her little, you know, farmhand lady person, um, she's good. It's worthwhile, and that's probably the most memorable parts of the movie for everybody, and probably why they'll be like, huh, I really remember really liking this film, because you like those scenes. Like, you don't remember the other stuff that was in it, because even me, I was like, I think I remember not it not being so bad, but then as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I remember why I did not like this movie. And I really thought a second watching was going to change my mind. Maybe it wasn't what I remembered, but there are things in here I just cannot fucking escape. So that's why the fun factor it gets a three out of five. It, Bill Pullman doesn't even be in it. He's just fu fucking acting for a paycheck. And he really only has one scene where he's actually doing real fucking acting. So overall, even though I, the fun factor is a little higher, I'm going to give this a two out of five because and it's going to be a uh, a two out of five, uh, you know, Lone Stars for this movie. It's such a fucking, like, pain in the ass to get through for as long as it is. Especially the scenes. The scenes that are terrible to me drag on for a little bit too long. The scenes that are really good are really short. It is very, very, very dialogue heavy. To the point that, like, I feel like the clips that I was grabbing, like, sometimes I do it. Like, there's a break, and then sometimes it's like a 10 second break, and then I, oh, I gotta get this little section of dialogue. But I literally felt I was jumping from scene to scene, and I was just grabbing, like, the dialogue from the scene. And I feel bad, but there's just, there's so much to put in terms of, explanations and things with the small runtime that the editing put things so close together that I wish there was some time to breathe from some of the stuff that they were doing and even the action that popped up it's so short it's like two minutes long less than that this is what you get. I want more out of my crocodile like monster movie. Anaconda was great because you had these long periods of just the action with the snakes. Even during up to the third act, you can have the first and second acts be very dialogue heavy. But at the third act, that's where all the action should be happening. And it's not happening in this. And it happened in each of the two films that we've discussed so far. So that's why I've got to rate it so low. And that's my reasonings for not really liking it as much as I thought I might for the second time. Now, I know a lot of people, they're going to really be like, man, I can't believe you felt this way. But that's just the way I feel. The way that you feel is the way that you feel. And we're totally different people. And, uh, you know, again, I hope I'm just entertaining you with the shit that bothers the fuck out of me. So with that being said... Uh, let's talk about the last film in terms of our animal films. Now, I had a couple in mind that I wanted to do. And I actually sat with the wife and I was like, okay. Now, originally I was going to do Boar, uh, which is on Shudder right now. Um, and it's a movie that everybody, I think, should check out. It's interesting. Uh, but I decided against it because I decided to stay in the 90s. That was the whole ended up being the whole plan because I realized all three of these films, even though this one's on the cusp, it's still part of the 90s itself. So, you know, we should just stay in the same realm. So I found three films that I wanted to do. So the films were Deep Blue Sea because I fucking, I mean, I enjoy that film on a terrible le level. Uh, Bats 
I haven't seen it in forever, and I thought, great, it fits within the timeline. Uh, it's 90s, it's an animal film, it's pretty damn terrible. Uh, and then the last one, and in the first one, you know, I understand shark, sea creature, maybe I've been doing kind of like mammals and stuff, but yeah, crocodiles, it could fit. And then the last one I had a little bit of trouble with because I was like, uh, it's insects. Insects are still animals. My wife was like, well, you know, you're nitpicking there. So I threw into the mix arachnophobia. And so I hit up a listener, uh, and it happens to be Crystal, um, and I said, real fast, I need you to choose one of these three. Don't think about it. And I said, definitely don't tell someone else uh, that I know that you're close to. Um, you know who you are. Uh, and uh, so that way that it's kind of surprised when it comes to the revelation of which is the winner of the next film. So without further ado, um, here is the winner and the final film of Animal Month for the terrible, well, animal set of months, I guess, podcast run for the Terrible Terror Podcast. The Jennings family has just moved to the small town of Kanaima. Oh, Ross, smell that air. Oh, God. In search of a simpler life. Wanna blow up a bullfrog? Okay. It's the perfect place. Goodbye crime, goodbye grime. Except for one pesty little problem. Come with me and look at the web. The web? I have a terrible fear of spiders. Come on, we live in the country now. It's time to work through this irrational, paralyzing terror. It's not irrational. <laughs> Hollywood Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present Jeff Daniels. Honey, we're in the living room. We need you to kill a spider. And John Goodman. Bill McClintock, infestation management. Oh, that guy's just a spider. Would anybody object if I tore this floor out? I would. False alarm, then leave on. There's no spider here. Every so often in a little town somewhere, there is a health scare. There's a rumor going around that some kind of spider might have killed Sam Metcalf. Spiders make convenient culprits. There's no spider here. I think one of your Venezuelan spiders hitched a ride here. There may be some spiders around here that are very dangerous. Dad, chill out. Just run. They spread out from a central nest in a web-like pattern and dominate the entire area. When that happens, this town is dead. Better uncork my private stock. Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present Arachnophobia, eight legs, two fangs, and an attitude. Perk up, Lloyd. If we find the spider that did this, you can arrest him. Arachnophobia, a thrillomedy. So that's right, arachnophobia was her choice, and because she's deathly afraid of spiders. That was literally the reason why the movie was chosen. I think all three, the other two will definitely make an appearance at some point in the life of the podcast, and even Boar probably at some point, um, depending on how I feel and where I want to put it. Um, I'm just not sure it's really ready for the podcast right now. It'd be like something... Putting, um, you know, a movie that I really enjoyed recently, which was Midsummer, uh, putting that on the podcast. It'd be really weird, and I don't know if I could actually do it justice. Uh, so, but I did do, you can check out the movie review that was on the YouTube channel, but that's something for plugs. Um, yeah, that does, that film itself uh, does star Jeff Daniels, uh, 
Julian Sands, the warlock himself, okay? And that's another movie that needs to be on this podcast. I keep forgetting to do it, but I'm going to have to do it one of these days. And John Mother and Goodman, uh, who I don't know has actually been on this podcast just yet. Um, he may have. Uh, I'm trying to remember, and I'm pretty sure somebody will say, yeah, you did this movie, and I can't remember all the fucking movies I've done uh, at the last short notice when I'm just going through this. Uh, it's been almost five years of doing this podcast. Wow, that's fucking insane. Um, but yeah, it, it's available to stream right now if you have HBO attached to anything. So if you have HBO Now, if you're able to log into HBO Go, if you have Hulu with HBO, if you have Amazon with Cinemax or HBO, uh, if you have a cable provider with HBO, it's actually been running on HBO, uh, but you can access it through their apps. It's also available to rent on things like YouTube and uh, iTunes, Amazon, all those different platforms if you want to rent it. But if you do have an HBO uh, subscription right now, maybe you're waiting for your Game of Thrones subscription to end or you forgot, oh my god, I didn't quit it yet, um, then you can watch it for free on HBO. And it's a really fun film, but I remember being freaked out as all shit when I first saw the movie. And I know that it's funny because at the end of it, it says it's a thrill Um, And it really is funny, but it has some relatively creepy moments. And I'm actually, like, my childhood, like... I don't want to say childhood fears are coming up and like I'm anxious to watch it again, but I am a little anxious to watch it again. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, and it's actually going to lead into the next theme for a couple of films that I want to do because there's a type of movie. And I think if you go back and you listen to Dave's pop culture podcast that I did with him recently where we shot the shit, I, I talk about how I want to do horror comedies. And uh, in talking with Dave about something, um, I've decided to do some horror comedies after this run of Animal Films is done. Uh, and it's something because he said something that I'm like, damn it, okay, now I know what I'm going to do. And it's all Dave's fault. Uh, so, you can, But I think you guys really enjoy it. And honestly, I think that uh, he, he won't necessarily be surprised, but I think he'll enjoy it too in a weird way. Um, not that I'm trying to do something just for Dave, but, uh, it's his fault, so blame him. Uh, as, as Hootie told me at their concert to blame, uh, the one of Lady Antebellum songs for playing one of these random country type songs, um, I'm having you say, if you don't like it, blame Dave. <laughs> uh, no, don't go blaming Dave. You can just blame me. So, uh, podcast shout out this week. I want to shout out, uh, two pods. One, because it's ending, um, which I'm really sad about because I really enjoyed it, which was Black Hat Shadow. Uh, Andy, who has been on the podcast before, he was on the Blade Trinity podcast uh, last year, and I really enjoyed doing that with him, and I really enjoyed listening to Black Hat Shadow. And it was, uh, you know, Dave, and he was gracious enough to let me come on for an episode where we talked about our guilty pleasures, and it was a lot of fun, and it was when I was first really getting to know... Uh, a lot of the people in the podcast community and uh, Andy welcomed, you know, me onto a show with open arms and I really appreciated that and I'm glad I was able to return the favor uh, to him as well. Um, but it's sad that that podcast is ending, but you know, it's, I get it. Everybody has things that they're doing and sometimes we just can't continue. I've seen other podcasts come and go and it sucks that, uh, his is one of the ones that's going to be going. So, uh, I do wish Andy best of luck 
Um, and I hope that he uh, rethinks his idea and that it comes back because the itch starts to you know, need that scratch of doing the podcast. Um, and then uh, the other podcast I want to shout out is the Back in Time podcast. Uh, they've been ripping and roaring. They've been doing really well in some great episodes lately. So Kyle and JD out there, uh, make sure that you go check them out at Back in Time Pod on Twitter. Uh, they're available on all the platforms that we're all available on, as well as on YouTube. Uh, you can go give them a like and a subscribe and a bell ring over there on, on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check them out and check out their episodes. I think there's something that we're going to try to put together. I, I don't want to like guarantee it, but I'm, we've been talking about something that I hope we can do. Uh, and I'm, I really, 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 really want to do it. Uh, so, uh, hopefully it doesn't get swept under the rug and we actually put this shit together because that would be a lot, a lot of fun. We're also going to be doing the um, Universal Monsters once again. So in August, next month, um, there will be a break in this type of theme to do for me to do an episode of uh, Revenge, uh, The Creature Walks Among Us. So I'm doing the last of the, uh, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon movies, and I'm saving the worst for last. <laughs> well, I'm just doing it in an order. So you're going to get the last of that one, and that's going to kind of break up the comedy movies. So we're going to do this thrill comedy. Then I believe I have the space for the one comedy movie. Then on the release schedule, it'll be uh, The Creature Walks Among Us, and then we'll go back and do the other comedy. And then we'll be probably in fucking September, man. And uh, we'll be at the fifth anniversary of the show. Holy shit. Uh, this year is fucking flying. This podcast is still fucking flying. And I really appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen, to comment, to send me a DM, to, you know, like the pictures, watch the YouTube videos, to do all of that stuff. It really means the word for, like world for me because, you know, it's something and, it, and I know it means the same for everybody else that does these podcasts because, you know, a lot of us, we're just doing this for the love of doing this. I, you know, with this podcast, and I know this endings take a little long, but I really want to say this right now. Um, this podcast took a lot to do, this episode in particular. And there was a lot of weird procrastinating and ADHD and, and all the other things I was looking at because, you know, I, it's just been a long fucking week and like, I just, I'm, I've been tired all day and wanted to do, but I enjoy doing this so much, and I know there are people that enjoy and listen to this, that I want to make sure that you guys get the content, and the fact that I only do this every other week, and you know, shit comes up in life, and we try to do this shit, uh, but I want to make sure that I keep this commitment to you guys that this is done, and I promised a while back ago, you know, and I think somewhere within the second season where I was missing dates, and I said, look, this is not going to happen again, and this is not going to happen again unless something really major, and I mean really major, happens. So I just want you to know, as much as you guys enjoy listening, the ones that do listen to on a regular basis, as much as you guys enjoy listening to it, I enjoy doing it for you. So I get just as much enjoyment when you comment, when you say something back to me, not because it's like, oh, it's social media, oh, I have to fill these likes. No. I know you're enjoying the comment, like the, the content, <laughs> not the comment, the content that I'm providing you. And, uh, it just, it's something that makes me happy too. And it makes doing this worthwhile, whether it was, you know, 10 of you that were only listening to 
to, you know, if it was 10,000 people that were listening to this podcast, um, which, of course, numbers are always great, but um, I'd rather have customer loyalty than just customer satisfaction. So those that continue to listen, I really appreciate it. I do. And I know a lot of you who you are. And I know that right after an episode goes up, that there's a select number of people that it is automatically downloaded and you guys specifically make it worthwhile for me to do this even when I'm feeling like shit. So, and so as always, we end the podcast the same way I end the podcast every time, saying that make sure that you check out all social channels. Uh, go ahead and check out the Facebook page, Terrible Terror Podcast, T underscore T underscore Podcast on Twitter, Terrible Terror Podcast on uh, Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast on YouTube. Check out the review for Midgar Summer, uh, Midsummer, not Midgar. God damn it, I say that all the fucking time, but check out that. I had a lot of fun watching that movie and doing that review. So I will see you guys next time with Arachnophobia. Bye, guys. <laughs>